the Better Brew Podcast. Calling all business owners, busy bees, and wannabes. If you're here, you're in the right place. I'm Stephanie Huffman, owner of Bosco, Bailey, a business, and a bursa. Each week, I'll take you behind the barista bar and share with you the recipes for juggling the lattes of life while looking for that perfect blend. Welcome to the best 20 minutes of your week. Now let's get down to business. The Better Brew Podcast was started for people like you and me. We're trying to run a business, a home, and a life. Contrary to what some people might think, it's not easy, and sometimes we're just faking it as we're trying to juggle all of those plates. Welcome back, friends, and welcome to part two of our interview with serial entrepreneur Jordan Levy, who sold his first business at the age of 25. Since the first segment was packed with so much and he had more to say, we kept the tapes rolling. And then he went on to talk about taking a product to market. I think you'll find it quite entertaining as well as educational. So here we go. So Jordan, welcome back. Uh, You're sitting at home. Your fiance comes through the door with something you haven't seen before. And the rest is history, as they say. Yeah. So my my fiance uh, at the time, girlfriend, came home um, with a vase looking thing that shoots out steam. And um, coincidentally, one of her best friends also bought one the same week. And I was, you know, kind of with, you know, we were with that couple and kind of they were bonding and laughing over this toy. And uh, and me and him were like, wait, what are these things and why are they so popular and what do they do? And then so believe it or not, I actually kind of fell in love with essential oils, um, which is essentially what a diffuser does. I actually have two of them here, um, lemongrass and uh, eucalyptus. And so your brain went to work. Yeah. So we kind of realized that that, that was a cool, you know, cool product, not too complicated, and that there was no variety for men. And so ultimately, when, you know, when you actually start putting money into the business, because you can't start a business without a little bit of funding, you, you need to put, you need to get an LLC, which costs a little bit of money, you need to kind of build, um, you need to open a bank account so that you can process transactions. You need software tools um, that you subscribe to. So all of those things are, you know, naturally a pretty, um, a pretty detailed kind of funding required. Not much. Like I think it's, I think you could probably get a real business off the ground for um, gosh, like three to 5,000. I usually allocate about 10. We bought a, a Weebly subscription or Squarespace so that we can have a web presence got to buy the domain. Um, So all of that, we kind of said, hey, um, you know, let's actually find a manufacturer in China that could make one of these look like a dragon. We started to like maybe question, you know, is is going after the male market, which everyone has already validated um, or is trying trying to revalidate that men want this, um, is that really the market for us? And we realized, hey, maybe not. And maybe that's a little bit more risk appetite. And so we actually started by making an elephant. Um, you could buy it at funfusers.com. That's <laughs> a real thing. It's a real thing. It's a product we got to market. It's pretty amazing. It's, it takes a lot of, you know, team frustration, you know, cohesion, you know, rebuilding. None of us are doing that as a primary hustle. Like that is all our side hustles. One of my other, um, so I have two co-founders. One it works full time um, 
at a company that focuses on like corporate HVAC. And then the other, the other guy works for a family business that does um, construction goods. So it, it was pretty amazing to work with them. Um, one of them had some experience buying from China custom goods and then kind of selling them through Amazon. So we partnered with him and it's been a great bonding experience. I wish, you know, we had more, you know, opportunity to play with the business and like really grow it. I'm obviously very focused on CapSource as my primary goal. Sure. I think bringing a physical product to market after working in intellectual products is what I call like kind of education technology. Right. You know, when you start out with a product or an idea, your head is not in the back office or the HR or the employees or the issues with team members or setting things up properly. You just want to go for it. You want to make the sale. You want to get the awareness. And you're just, your your head is not in that building a business space. But for those of us who love it, I think it just, it's part of the, I got to do this. I can't not do this. Would you agree? There are entrepreneurs that kind of see a need in the market because they've been in the market. They've been there. They've a customer, they've been a, a uh, an employee, and then they want to start an organization. And then there's the type of entrepreneur like me where I know nothing else. Like I've never really had, I interned for KPMG. It was my first real job is what you know my mother likes to call it. Um, but that also is what helped me realize I don't really like big corporate structure and you know the hierarchy that's in place there. Like I want to be creative and I want to work on a new challenge that is a really big challenge for our planet and for our community of people, right? Like we serve people. Exactly. If if you're doing something, it's going to be in the hands of a person at some point you're dealing with people. Love how you broke down uh, the different kinds of entrepreneurs. Tell me, what do you think separates the men from the boys or the girls from the ladies when it comes to really building a business and making a business work? Well, I think that's Um, the hard part about entrepreneurship, the part that isn't glorious that no one likes to talk about, like landing new clients is fun. Implementing is hard, right? Like delivering and then scaling those relationships and maintaining those relationships. In order to do that, you have to build an organization of some type. Like even if it's, you know, all people that work overseas and you don't have to build much culture, you know, at the end of the day, if you really want to build a scalable company and grow that company, you have to put into place culture, you have to put into place processes and procedures that connect those people and embraces that culture. And that's the not so glorious part of entrepreneurship that I think people don't talk about very often. The most important, like you just can't run a really big company if you can't run a very small, run a small company. Um, and yes. running a small company yes. is about hearing everyone, listening to everyone, feel, like, creating a space where people can share and also embrace your ideas as, as a leader, um, bringing in other leaders who can help lead new parts of the business. And so I think that's really what separates, you know, the people who can get from, you know, zero to one versus one to 10. That's a totally right. different entrepreneur, um, actually a part of, of the trajectory that I focus on less, quite frankly. Um, I really love that early stage, but then as it gets to the growth mindset, you have to figure out how to really get the business to the point where you are creating, you know, $200,000, $300,000 per head count, right? Like that's what, that's what a real business does. And like, that's a totally different environment than, you know, trying to experiment with clients and deliver on your promises. 
You know, if you could go back and if you could talk to your young self, or maybe if you had a piece of advice for someone just starting out or someone who looks at you and goes, oh man, I really want to do that. I want to be like that. What would, what would that piece of advice be? Well, my favorite thing to say is um, education is about chasing curiosity. So unfortunately, much of our education system is not about really embracing what each individual wants. They try to figure out how to standardize it because that's what makes it scalable so that everyone could get education. But if you really educate yourself the right way, you should be chasing the things that interest you. So if you're interested in astronomy or astrophysics, then like watch documentaries of Neil deGrasse Tyson and like watch, um, you know, Cosmos and other types of, you know, really cool content and read, you know, books from Carl Sagan. Like that's the guy who's going to inspire you to like reach out and connect with people who work in the field that are doing stuff that contributes um, to that, to that uh, industry. And so that's what ultimately creates entrepreneurship is like you, you are chasing that curiosity, but then going the distance and monetizing that curiosity. So I always like to say chasing education is about chasing curiosity. Entrepreneurship is about monetizing curiosity. Oh my gosh. I love that. Um, I have not heard that before. That's uh that's pretty cool. You know, um, serial entrepreneurs, entrepreneurs, the brain never stops. Obviously, you're trying to juggle your business, your home, your life, you have relationships, you're focusing on the relationships, and you have quite a, a, a good balance there. At the end of the day, how do you get out of your entrepreneur head and into your relationship, home, life, space? What are, what tricks or tips do you have there? So I, I think we have, I have some advice, but also I think my circumstances are pretty unique. So first of all, my fiance works at Ernst & Young on a global team, fully virtual, has been for three years in the corporate responsibility area. So we have the good fortune of kind of working, or like basically co-working together during the day, the reality is we we almost don't see each other at all. We work totally different jobs, totally different types of calls. All we do really is share internet and coffee, <laughs> like every other co-working space. Um, but but you know we make an intention to cook dinner together at night, and okay. we make an intention to include our friends and and really like end the day at some point because you know I I really even though I am an entrepreneur, I want to see my business succeed, like not at the cost of my health and well-being. And also like, what's the point of all of that if you can't also experience the world and life around you? Mm -hmm, Exactly. So, you know, you got to make space for the people and the things that are important to you. And believe it or not, it builds more character that you could then bring to the table and be a better manager, entrepreneur. I love that because it's true. A, a deeper, richer person makes you better all around. I think I think the word I would I would choose here is is to be more of a Renaissance man contributes to your core focus more than you would expect it would. So so and a Renaissance man woman, you know, of course, to kind of play off of that, but you know, to be to, the reason why that term was created is that during the Renaissance, there was more opportunity because there was just more people that were able to pursue more things. Um, So I think that's kind of what I would say 
is uh, is to be to be a renaissance man. It's like to be high, good at hiking and tennis and golf, but also to be good at relationship building and keeping up with friends. And you know, like all of these things are priorities for different people and different circumstances in your life. And so you have to figure out how to incorporate that and then use that richer depth of experience to inform the way that you coach, mentor, and help others. Well, that's some deep thought <laughs> and well stated. I uh, couldn't agree with you more. Changing gears a little bit, what is something that you wish people who knew you knew about you that they don't? Um, you know, what comes to mind for me, I actually thought you were going a different direction. I'm going to mold my question with your answer. <laughs> but I think what I'll say is... Um, I think I'm not too proud to ask for help. Um, wow. I may not be the best at receiving feedback. I don't think anybody is very well at receiving feedback, but you know, I think sometimes, and I've gotten better at this as I've gotten a little bit older, and I think I have plenty more room for improvement, but you know, I'm not too proud to ask for help. I think you need to ask people for help. And I also think that that invites you into, into, you know, into the, the lion's den because people, when, when you ask for feedback, they're usually doing it in completely unvarnished terms. And it's, hey, I don't think your business can scale. And I think the reason why is because you're selling to the wrong customer or the wrong product or your technology team isn't going to work that way or the technology is not going to work that way. Or you like, it's just a thousand things for you to worry about. And like, so I was on my on the phone with my you know CFO today. And so he's like, I'm after he unloads on me why everything about the financial model is not a good um, for like, this stage of fundraising and entrepreneurship, he then says, I'm sorry, you know, if, it, if, if, if I feel a lot like a wet sock. And I was like, it's not a wet sock. You're a sandal on the beach, you know, like this, you know, just like you got to sometimes take it off, shake it to clean out some of the sand and then, you know, keep that, you know, keep that firm understanding of, you know, what, what is your North star? Like you got to keep that vision in mind. I think continuously reminding yourself and your company of that vision is important. Um, but then also kind of understanding that you can incorporate everyone's feedback simultaneously. It's impossible. And like they, they, they really shouldn't be expecting of you um, to just turn around and deliver results on that, but to slowly kind of, um, I actually picked up a new hobby recently wood lathing um and it's, it's my brother-in-law he got a wood lathe it's basically like it's a spinning piece of wood that you can put really cool tools on that shaves it down and you can create bowls and plates and lots of really cool things um never much of a like a, a crafts person like that although um certainly when inspired and he gave me access to his lathe and said i put a piece of wood on it go at it like no instruction and that's my favorite type of learning it's experiential learning right there um, of course learned also if you don't you know put your tool in the right place it can smack your you know smack up and make a little bit of a mess um, but basically picked up that hobby and, and to me that's what i think feedback is about it's like just one wood lathe touch at a time Careful. If it's careful, it really makes a big impact. If you do it aggressively and not really thinking about the recipient, then ultimately it can shock um, you and the wood and you know create a dent or not really look and feel the way you want. And I think it's a slow process. And then at the end, you get to put sandpaper instead of the lathing tools. And that's where you smooth things out. And I think that's 
the other important thing about relationship building is like making time for that kind of sweet part. Um, you know, spending a Friday night dinner with your friends. Like there's nothing that makes me happier than inviting all my friends over and cooking a huge meal. Um, because that's just what makes me me and it has nothing to do with work, but that's what makes me a better me. Um, and none of that feedback would stick if I didn't get a chance to be me. You know, something you just said really hit me. That sandpaper is what makes it smooth. No one likes that sandpaper uh, process in their life, but you have to have it. You know, maybe your future book one day, Jordan, will be called uh, Sandpaper. Yeah, there's a, there's already a famous book with the title Lean In, all about access, like w- opportunities for women and like being present and then, you know, dictating a future for yourself. And I think that I would use the same term here, lean in, right? Like you have to lean into feedback. You have to lean into the difficult conversations. You have to lean into the opportunities and also realize that there's no safety. When you're an entrepreneur, there's no like, you know, nice little kind of railing for you to hold on to. Like you're at the edge of a cliff. And like, sometimes if you fall, it hurts, right? Like if you fall, there's risk. But like the reality is make calculated risks and lean in to the feedback and to the people that make you a better you. And then that really is ultimately what pans out in the end. You know, you work really hard at work-life balance. And I know people are kind of tired of that, but you do have a business, you do have a home, you do have a life. And it's you're like you're doing a really good job of hitting all the pins on the bowling alley. <laughs> you know what I mean? Does that... Uh... Does that resonate at all? It does resonate. And all I would say is like, it's not just one shot, right? Like a whole bowling frame is like 10 frames. And you can think about that as a floor for like, you have to constantly reevaluate your life priorities, constantly reevaluate who who is in your life that you need to, to do more for and who's not doing their part for you. Every relationship that you should be giving and receiving half, right? Like if you're giving always more than half, then you're not receiving your equal weight. And like, you're just putting too much into that relationship and you're not getting enough back for it to be worthwhile. And so that, that's kind of like the reevaluation is like the part, I think that's where like stepping out of your comfort zone or just stepping out of your zone and, and trying to look at things differently. And that's what's really been great about traveling a lot is, you know, we get to see the, the country that I'm selling products to, right? Like I know now when I'm, when I'm talking to someone who's from, you know, West Texas, San Antonio, um, or, you know, from some, some place in the Northeast, like I've been to both and I understand the differences. And now I can kind of see them in a, in a way that's a little bit more understanding. And I think that also helps in really evaluating how to prioritize those relationships, those, those, those work priorities, like, and that, and, and creating the life around, around, you know, ultimately your work priorities and not prioritizing work around your life priorities. Absolutely. Well, Jordan, we are now at the point of the show where it's time, believe it or not, for your better blend tip. Piece of advice, a thought, something that's on your heart that you would like to leave with our listeners to help make their business, home, or life better. You know, it's funny you ask, like, I think that I, there's one good one um, that I, I said recently that was set the bar higher than you can reach, then figure it out. Um, and so I also, there's one other thing that I really like, and it's actually from 
Um, it's actually a, a Jewish anecdote from um, like many, many generations, but you know, the whole concept is called tikkun olam. And it basically means loosely translated to repair the world, leave the world better than you found it. I think everyone always kind of thinks about this, talks about this. Um, and it's kind of like an ideal, but it's not an ideal. It's the reality. Like we cannot leave the world worse than we found it. Do your part, recycle, help each other, you know, help, help, help thy neighbor. Um, do, do what we can um, to really contribute as a community because we've never been more of a community than we are now, right? Like we are a global community. We are lucky to be alive. We, we need to share our resources. We need to help reduce pain and increase opportunity. And that happens through connection and optimizing the use of our resources um, and not abusing those resources. Jordan, thank you for being here and for coming. Well, thank you, Stephanie. It was really a pleasure and it was really great to, to share a few words and, uh, and really build off your authenticity. Uh, continue to share your spirit and your positivity with the world. And I, I bet a lot of people are benefiting from it, that I know for sure. Oh, well, thank you for saying that. And I hope that's the case. Well, I look forward to chatting with you again in the future. I look forward to it. I hope we can meet in person one day. Well, we'll just have to figure that out, won't we? I'll see you soon. Bye, Stephanie. And that, my friends, concludes part two of our interview with serial entrepreneur, Jordan Levy. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Don't forget to visit us at betterbrewpodcast.com and feel free to send us an email at info at We always love hearing from you. And that, my friends, is what's been brewing in my brain this week. Can't wait to hear what's been brewing in yours. See you next week on the Better Brew Podcast. I'm Stephanie Huffman, wishing you not only a fantastic week, but that you'll find a better blend.